I hope we never get over the wonder of newness of life that God gives us. We have a case in point this morning. Last Sunday morning, I stepped back by the nursery, by our child care center, and lo and behold, behind the counter was Allie Hansen back there, uh, working with the kids and taking care of them while carrying one herself. And uh, between last Sunday and this Sunday, she's here. Little Laurel Delane is here, and uh, she was born uh, nine pounds, six ounces. Mama's doing good. The family's happy. They have a brand new addition to the Hanson family. Can we see her? Can you kind of hold her up a little bit and let us celebrate? This is her first outside the womb time in church. There she is. <laughs> what a beautiful little girl. Congratulations to you, Will and Allie and the whole Hanson family. There's another miracle that happens that's is every bit as much a wonder. That a person one day can be without the Lord, without salvation, without forgiveness of sin, without, without even any hope in this world. And the next day, God, by his grace and the power of the gospel, can make that person come alive, become somebody they never were before, deep within. The scriptures call it by a number of different names, regeneration, or the new birth. Or Jesus said in John 3, um, you must be born again. And so that miracle of new birth occurs, and when it does, there's a brand new life. Oh, yeah, we still carry around the same body. And when we first come to know the Lord, there's some renovation that needs to go on, isn't there? I was walking, you know, I'm always looking for an opportunity to, to sow a word of, of the gospel or to share something of the Lord with somebody. And this morning, I was walking over to church, and I walked by the blue house here on the corner. And over the years, it's been... Um, kind of notorious and uh, it has become in disrepair and it's desperately in need of boards being replaced and roof fixed and I mean it's it's a mess over there for sure but uh, no one's been in it for a while and there were a half a dozen people standing around a couple pickup trucks in the front and one was inside the yard and they were looking it over and as I came around the corner walking to church I thought these people are looking to buy this old place and I walked by and I said hello are you looking to buy this place and and the guy said boy I don't know it's it's a fixer-upper that's for sure and I laughed and said well good luck with that and then as I walked by as I walked by I just I felt the Lord just so you're gonna that's what you're gonna do this morning I present a half a dozen people for you to talk to, and you're just going to walk right on by. So I was about 20 yards away, and I stopped, and I said, okay, Lord, give me something. And so I turned around to walk back to talk to them, and at within you know, 20, 20 steps, it came to me. And I walked up to them, and I said, hey, you guys, something just came to mind. And I noticed when I was walking by them how conspicuous my Bible was. You know, they're looking at me. The tie kind of gives me away, and I've got this Bible. So here I am walking back, back to them, and I said, you guys, something just came to mind, and i got to tell you. And they, they all gathered, six of them. I didn't know them. And I said, you know what? 
this was the illustration I needed this morning. And they said, what do you mean? You know, and I said, see this old place? How in disrepair, falling down, windows cracked and broken, and the dogs have torn up the door. And I mean, it's a mess, right? And they said, yeah. And I said, that's exactly what our lives are like before the Lord Jesus Christ lays hold of us and changes us. And they all stood there. And one gal, she goes, I like that. And I said, I said, me too. Uh, <laughs> so I got a little seed planted on the way to church this morning. But today's message is entitled, Now That You're In God's Family. Now that you're in his family. And you know how much I love this verse because I find it, 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 it just becomes ever deepening as you grow and walk with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 just takes on more and more meaning for me, and I'm sure it does for you, but it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, or some translations, a new creation, something that God does deep within us and changes us actually changes us. It's not us trying real hard to reform our lives or renovate the old house. God starts on the inside and works his way out. So there's a change in, within us. The old things passed away. Behold, John says, or the Apostle Paul says, new things have come. New things have come. And if you're a Christian, from, from, from the moment you come to know Christ to the end of your days should be one long series of new things have come. Over and over again. That should be the, that is what should mark your Christian life. New things have come. So I was thinking about this verse, and I thought, I'm going to go to a chapter somewhat familiar to us and look at it through this, through this lens, look at it in light of these new things. So today, we're going to be looking at the first chapter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and we're simply asking the question, what are some of the new things that have come? What are those new things? according to 1 John <laughs> chapter 1. And I just, I know I have to move along at a rapid clip, but I, I just, this chapter's meant so much to me through the years. And so we'll just scratch the surface. But I, I hope you appreciate this because if you're a child of God, a new creation in Christ, every one of these new things are true of you. And that's a way you can test yourself. That's, you know, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says this. Test yourselves. Another translation says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Or do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Test yourselves. And one way of testing ourselves is to stand before the mirror of 1 John, chapter 1. And ask ourselves, is this true of me? If it is, you should be celebrating this morning because these are the, behold, all things are becoming new. New things have, be, have come. 
So that's what we're doing this morning. The first one I want you to see is a relationship that wasn't there before. Look there at verse 1 and 2. I think you have it on the screen. John begins his little letter this way. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, let's face it, you guys. We don't talk like this. And we might be wise to ask the question, why, John, did you go to such lengths in this opening verse? Why are you saying what we have heard with our ears, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked upon, we've even handled, we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life? Why are you saying all of that? Well, there's a reason. Um, Without knowing it, John is correcting something that had happened in that first century. There were many, many Greek um, philosophers of the time that were flowing out of Athens, Greece, and they flowed into the Greco-Roman world, and they were spreading their teachings, and their teachings were making its way into the church. And this whole group of teachers that John considered false teachers were what we would call the Gnostic teachers. Gnostic is from the word gnosis, which means knowledge. And they claimed to have special knowledge. And so they were taking their understanding of Greek philosophy, which basically was this. It was a dualism that said spiritual, the spiritual world, the intangible world, that's good. That's good, and that's eternal, and that's forever. That's where goodness lies. But the physical world and our physical bodies, bad. You got the picture? So, as a consequence of that belief, they taught that Jesus Christ could not possibly be truly a man. He couldn't possibly have been truly flesh like you and me. They were were heretics. They were teaching false doctrine. So why does John begin his letter by saying, we heard, we, we, we saw, in fact, we touched. And in fact, in my first gospel, John would say, I was so close to him that I leaned on the Son of God's chest and I could hear the beating of his heart. Don't tell me he wasn't truly a man. That's what John's doing here. And he is saying basically this, that if your relationship with God is not through faith in the man who was truly man and truly God, the eternal life that was manifested from the Father to us, if he's not both 
God and man, then you don't have the true Christ of Scripture. But if you have him, and that's the Christ you believe in, that one who took both the divine nature of God and the human nature of man to the cross to die for our sins and rise again, if that's not the Christ you believe in, you're not believing in the true Christ. And therefore, your faith is spurious. It's in error. You don't understand. But, John says, if you've come to know him and believe in him and trust in him, then I tell you this, you have a relationship now that you never had before. A relationship that wasn't there in your life before. Secondly, what not only is this relationship new that wasn't there before, but there's a fellowship that wasn't there before. Look at verses 3 and 4. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. So the Apostle John saying, you will have fellowship with us, the apostles and the early church, and in fact, from our vantage point, fellowship in many ways with every true believer for the past 2,000 years. I was talking to a friend the other day. We met in my office, and we were going through the book of Romans together. And I pointed out that some of my best friends are contained in those books behind me. They lived in 1400, 1600. They're some of my best pals. But I never really shook hands with them. I never looked them in the eye. But I got into their books as they wrote about Christ in the scriptures and found that my heart beat with their heart. And they've become my pals. I can't wait to meet them someday. Special, special men and women. Verse 3. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you may, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. John says this relationship that we have with Christ, this fellowship that we live and walk in, is so wonderful that this fellowship is incomplete unless I can share it with you. That's what he's really saying. Our joy is complete when you come into the fellowship too. And now you're rightly related to the Lord. Why can't I walk past those folks this morning? Because they need to come into the fellowship. They need someone to speak to them. And just smiling and saying good morning doesn't cut it. It's not enough. Something must be said to call them to Christ. So there's this fellowship that wasn't there before. You know, um, there's a difference between relationship, the first point, and fellowship, the second point. 
Now, when my children were growing up and they disrespected me or they didn't fulfill what I asked them to do and so on, my relationship to them as their father doesn't change. It didn't change. It wasn't altered. But my fellowship and enjoyment of them for the moment and there of me, that was different, right? And sometimes there was a little red mark on the bottom of their, on their little bottoms to remind them that the enjoyment of this relationship requires fellowship together. Um, there's a difference. Relationship and fellowship. But the spirit in which John writes is not corrective. He's not, I mean, look at what he says. These things we write so that our own joy, our joy in the Lord may be made complete. How is that, John? Because you are rightly related to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are in fellowship with him. Stop and think about it for a moment. We're a local church family. And as part of being a local church family and gathering together, there's nuts and bolts and things that we do around here. While none of us were around this week, no doubt, Caitlin Oberton came over all by herself or maybe with her kids, and she wiped and dusted and cleaned and got this place all nice for us. She did that for all of us. Someone else, like maybe Adam, came over and mowed the lawns for us, and someone else came over and checked other things, made sure we had the coffee ready. Mary Ann gets the coffee all ready so that for class, we have a bunch of things that we do. But while we do all those things and we appreciate them, at the heart of it all, John is saying, what's it mean to be in the family of God? New things. A relationship with Jesus Christ that wasn't there before. Fellowship with God the Father and with his Son that wasn't there before. And then thirdly, friendship that wasn't there before. Look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, you might scratch your head and say, Pastor Tony, how did you come up with friendship on a verse like that? Well, light and darkness don't mix. The book of Amos, the prophet Amos said, can two walk together unless they be in agreement? Friendship. And unless my nature and your nature is changed deep within, how can we have relationship and fellowship with a God who is holy, a God who is righteous, a God in whom there is no darkness at all? How can we fellowship and develop a friendship with him? Remember that verse where God spoke about Moses? Moses used to meet with God face to face as a man meets with his friend. Once the new birth occurs and new things come, deep within your nature has been changed so, that, so, so radically so that Paul could say this 
in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Change of nature. And if there's a change of nature, then there is a new capacity that was never there before, a capacity for not only relationship and fellowship, but even friendship. Didn't Jesus said, no longer do I call you slaves? John chapter 15, verse 16. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that the Father hath made known to me, I have made known to you. Right? Friends. Why? It's not a sentimental idea. We're misinterpreting Scripture if we just approach it psychologically or approach it sentimentally. Oh, isn't that nice? God calls us friends. No. If your nature's not been changed, if you've not experienced the new birth, then you are not God's friend. You can't be his friend. Light and darkness do not dwell together. God changes us. That's the miracle of new birth. And once that occurs, deep within your nature's changed so that now you can enjoy fellowship, friendship, relationship with God himself. Wow, guys, is that not wondrous or what? It is. Number four, a harmony that wasn't there before. So not only is there a relationship, fellowship, and friendship that wasn't there before, but now there's even harmony that wasn't there before. Look at verse six and seven. If we say, writes the apostle John, that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. No sense mincing words, right, John? We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us of all sin. What a verse. What a truth, right? So, Pastor, what do you mean by harmony? Well, it's obvious. Harmony with God in our walk. And it, when we say a, a, harmon, a harmony in our walk with God, we don't mean that we somehow have reached some high level of perfection or anything like that. What we mean is that we are honest with God. We walk in the light. And because we do, the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us on the cross cleanses us from all sin. What a powerful passage of Scripture is verse 7. Well, we must make haste. Number five is capacity. I love this. And I want you to slow down because we're coming to really familiar verses. You may have even committed them to memory. But coming back and looking again is so valuable for us. So not only is there a relationship that wasn't there before, fellowship, friendship, and harmony that wasn't there before, but there's a capacity 
that God has given you and given to me that was not there before. Look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What is this new capacity? Well, on the, on the surface, it's capacity for humility, capacity for honesty. You know, it's not my job to confess your sins. It's not my job to point out your sins and confess them for you. You're the one who has a whole new capacity for that because God is in you through Christ and you have this new capacity. But that's really, in a sense, trying to think of how best. We're actually looking at something supernatural and miraculous. Let me explain it. Let's say, I'll use my wife as an example. Let's say I'm out of sorts with my wife, and I said something that was harsh or said something that was unkind or criticized her in a way that was really not right, and I need to ask her forgiveness. And that comes to easy to us men, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. But I apologize. I, I was wrong. Those six words, I was wrong, please forgive me. Tough six words sometimes where there's pride involved. But I ask Kathy to forgive me. And Kathy does forgive me. But Kathy can only go that far. She cannot do what God can do. There's a new capacity that we have in our relationship with him that not only do I confess, Lord, I was wrong, please forgive me. He can forgive me like Kathy forgives me, but where Kathy stops, God keeps going. God says, no, that's not enough, Tony, because I want you to walk with me today. I want you to live in relationship, in fellowship, in friendship, in harmony with me today. And in order for you to live that way, you must not only be forgiven, but you must be cleansed. Kathy cannot cleanse my sins. She cannot remove the residual, uh, the residual muck and the residual guilt or shame. She can't deal with that. God deals with that. And so not only does he forgive, upon confession, but he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And that clears the soul and, and makes, again, this rich capacity that we have to live in fellowship with him. 
now that we're in the family of God, these five new things are now ours and were not there before. Isn't that an amazing thing? <laughs> to be in God's family and to live and walk that way. Are you with me? Or is it too warm in here and we're going to sleep? Well, I've told this story before in the past, and it's, I like it. It's kind of a, a modern remake on the story of the prodigal son. But years ago, the story is told of a young man who wanted to leave the farm, leave his family. He wanted to be on his own, and so he, he did against their wishes. And when he had gotten out there in the world and began to be having such a rough and difficult time, he got in trouble with the law. And back then the law said, well, you can either go to prison or you can join the military. And so he thought, well, the military sounded better to him, so he joined the military. And he joined up, was sent into battle, to, was wounded, lost a leg, had a leg amputated, was greatly, he had great disabilities now from the war. And when he recovered from the field hospital and got to the point where he was good enough to go home, he was scared to death to even write home and ask if he could come home. Because on one hand, he disobeyed the parents and the father and the family and left his siblings behind. But he also had uh, gone off and gotten himself all beat up and disabled so that when he returned, he'd be no, hardly any good on the farm. He didn't know what to do, but the home seemed impossible to return to, but he had nothing else. He didn't know what else to do. And so he wrote a letter home, telegraphed home, and said, I'm coming home on the train on such and such a day. And the train tracks went right by the, out, the, the back part of the farmhouse, but the depot where the train stopped was another couple miles down. And on the day that he was coming home, he was practically sick inside because he just didn't know what to expect. But at the end of that telegram he sent his family, he said, in the old tree, I think it was an oak tree that was out behind the barn near the railroad track, if you could just tie a, a ribbon, a, a bright colored ribbon around the trunk of the tree, when the train passes and I see that ribbon, if I see it, I'll know that you'll welcome me back even though I've done all these horrid things, and even though I'll be no good on the farm. So here he's riding in the train, and as it gets closer and closer, the more anxious he becomes. He's practically sick in his stomach, worrying about whether he could be forgiven and received back. And as the train approaches, the old gentleman that sat across the seat from him in the train car, he said to the gentleman, he said, Sir, I just don't think I can look. Could you look for me? And the old gentleman got up out of his chair as the train approached the back side of the farm 
And he leaned out the window to look, and then he began to laugh. Laughter filled the car as he turned back in and said, Oh, son, get over here. Get, stick your head out the window and look. And when the young man stuck his head out the window and looked, the entire oak tree was streaming from top to bottom with bright colored ribbons. Come home. We forgive you. You're welcome. That's a picture of God's heart for each of us when we come home back to God, back to Christ when we trust him. He grants us these riches, a relationship again with him that was not there before, fellowship with him that was not there before, friendship that was not there before, harmony with him that was not there before, and a new capacity to rightly relate to him and respond to him and even reflect him toward others. Aren't you glad you're in God's family and he's welcomed you back? In just a moment, we're going to have just a a short uh, church meeting and, and if you're not a member, you don't have to stay. We'd love it if you would because it's really only 10, 15 minutes long. But um, before we do, is it possible that someone sitting here this morning, I wouldn't know, only God knows, he knows the heart, is saying, oh, I wish these five new things were true of me. I know they're not, but I want them to be. Then I have good news for you. The tree is streaming with bright colored ribbons. And the Father, God, through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ, receiving Christ, trusting Christ, that he gave himself on the cross, was buried and raised again from the dead, he promises you, to welcome you into his family right where you sit if you'll just bow your head with me and from your heart say yes Lord that's what I need I need a new beginning I need the old things to pass away new things to come so let's pray and then we'll move into our meeting now I can't pray for you but I can pray a prayer similar to what you need to ask of God. And in light of this message this morning, you can say to the Lord from deep in your heart, God, I want the old to pass away. I want new things to come. I want that relationship with you. I want that fellowship and friendship, harmony and capacity that I do not have. I'm a sinner and I admit it. To say that I'm not is to be self-deceived and I know that. Lord, I am not self-deceived. I need your forgiveness. 
please forgive me for the way I've run my own life, the choices I've made, many decisions that I've regretted. Lord, I lay it at your feet. I have nothing to give you but my heart. So here it is. I give you my heart, my life. I trust you. So forgive me, Lord, according to your promise and cleanse me, wash me, renew me, grant me the miracle of new birth that I might be a new creation and can now leave this building alive for the first time, truly, spiritually awake and alive to God. And I look to you to do that, Lord. I hear you speaking to me this morning, and I want you. Please have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me. Restore me to the family of God. Thank you, Lord. I trust you. I look to you. Jesus, to you alone. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.